UFO Radio. My name is Alejandro Rojas, and I am your host for the show. Joining me, as usual, is Martin Straight Man Willis, because he's kind of you're kind of my straight guy. Uh, I'm days. straight. Okay, straight I, I didn't know that. I'm out of the closet. I'm straight. No, yeah. no, this doesn't have to do with your your preference. Oh, oh, okay. Man. You know the All straight right. man. The, so I get to bounce stuff and joke off of you. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm very serious. <laughs> yes. But we've got another goofball in the room, and uh, that's Huffington Post's Lee Spiegel. No, wait, if, if Martin is the straight man, I'm the goofball? <laughs> so if this were the Three Stooges, um, I don't know, Three Stooges really didn't have a straight man, did they? No, because they're all goofballs. Uh, Mo was trying to be, but you know. Yeah. Mo, yeah. So I don't know. We're all a bunch of goofballs, actually. Well, it's yeah. nice to be here with both of you. Yeah, good to have you on the show. This so this is always fun. You know, in the past, of course, we had Jason McClellan with us, um, and I think I'll refer to at least maybe a couple of his stories because he was writing for us. You know, uh, the first quarter or so of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, doing these. So now we have. Martin, and it's going to be fun because, you know, Martin, there are some of these stories, at least towards the beginning of the year, you and I weren't doing the show together, so I don't know your opinions on them. So it's going to be, or even if you know the story, so it's going to be really fun to uh, do this. Well, I've been digging back through and uh, from January on and looking at all the different cases. It's been real interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when you look back on the year and see how many stories there are, and even some that you forget it about. There's some I've forgotten about. Mm. Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, uh, when I was looking back, I actually had, I came up with about 50 stories that I had to whittle <laughs> down yeah. to about to about 10 or 15 for my Huff Post piece, and I realized... This past year, it ran the whole gamut of of serious stuff and very, very funny stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when I was putting this together, because you just talked about 50 that you whittled down to 15. Yeah. Martin uh, texted me earlier. He's like, I'm going to have three on hand, but I might have four and an extra. Would that be all right? And I was like, sure, because I'm only going to have about 15 myself. (laughs) Well, I'll listen most of the night if that's the case. Well, what's funny no is that, um, well, you don't listen, we'll, we'll hear your response and what you think of the story. Yeah, sure. But what's funny is even though uh, we keep, we have these long lists, we only get to about three or four each anyway. So Right, yeah. But we're, we'll cheat a little along the way. Of course, you know, you guys know I like to cheat when it comes to uh, the way we do the stories or whatever. But... Um, um, let's start off though with the current news and, uh, and I don't know if Martin, you prepared a news story for 
news right uh recent news no i didn't actually i didn't know we were going to do that you didn't know so. that's the way the show that's what we do every week <laughs> i've never done a year in review show <laughs> that's so. okay we'll wing it and actually right. the biggest news story for today um at Lee Spiegel wrote, or actually, I wrote a version of it, but I used some of what's what Lee wrote. So can I guess? Hil- Hillary Clinton. Oh, geez, you're so good. Ah, phew. So oh. maybe Lee, if you wouldn't mind, kind of summarizing this story for us. Well, it it kind of goes back to last Tuesday. Hillary was on um, a, a part of another campaign trip to New Hampshire, my home state. And she first made a stop in Portsmouth, where she attended a couple of town halls. Then she went up to Conway, which is up near the White Mountains, uh, where I went to college. And and so I know the area really well. And she went to um, a newspaper up there, a small newspaper called Conway Daily Sun. And uh, what was going on there was she attended an editorial meeting there in which she talked about um, her, her foreign policy and the economy. And when that was all over, as she was getting ready to leave, one of the newspaper's uh, reporters, uh, a guy named Damon Steer, went up to Secretary of State Clinton and reminded her that he had previously talked to her in 2007 when she was first running for president. He had talked with her about UFOs. And, and her response was um, basically, yes, you know, I remember, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And that's what started this whole thing off. Mm-hmm. So pretty interesting. And then you were able to talk to him, and you asked, I think, which was the most pertinent question, um, uh, you know, was she serious about it? Yeah, I, I sent him an email, and he, and he wrote back to me. And, and then he actually he contacted me twice today. Um, just out of the blue because you wanted to continue our conversation. He he said that uh, he, he thought that it was because he was involved with the conversation. It was very lighthearted between him and Hillary. And he felt that initially she was just having fun with the whole thing. But then he also said to me that, that given her relationship with, with John Podesta, who is the, uh, the chairman of her campaign, and, and with her husband's track record, husband being former President Bill Clinton, of course, he, Damon felt that she might be sincere about moving forward with UFO disclosure. And, you know, interesting, I, I got one of the emails that I got from Damon today. He said, boy, this story has really gotten around. But he says it seemed kind of funny that no one else has asked her about it in New Hampshire, where mm-hmm. it all started. And yeah. You know, and he he wondered. He asked me if I thought that the campaign might have realized that they had to address this sooner than later. And she, and, and he also thinks that what's really interesting, and I agree, is that so far the Republicans um, should be all over this. I mean, I've been waiting patiently for the last couple of days to see how is Donald Trump going to respond to this because mm. you know he'll he'll basically try and take her down any way he can here's the perfect opportunity for him and we haven't heard a peep from any of them mm-hmm. strange a and, you couple know, of, the, uh-huh. go ahead one comment I'd like to make about um, whether he was thinking if she was serious or not you know when you make a statement like that even if you're joking that can be taken out of context so easily 
Sure. So, sure that she's uh, guarded in whatever she is saying, whether it's a, a joke or not, really. Well, you know, my, my take on that is I don't care because because well no i mean i, I really don't because, no because think think about this no other until this story came out no other presidential candidate even mentioned or breathed the word ufo or area 51 hillary's the first okay that's the first thing in whatever context she made those statements in the story when you when you look back in 2014, when her husband was on Jimmy Kimmel, and then and then last year when Barack Obama was on Jimmy Kimmel, all they did was joke about it, you know, from the beginning of their little interviews to the end, and and they were totally lighthearted about it. And both of those interviews and stories in, immediately went viral, so everybody knew that both presidents had just done or said anything about UFOs, and that's the point. It's like Maybe they inadvertently knew uh, or deliberately knew that anything they could say about UFOs was going to get out there and the public would hear it. And maybe that's what Hillary did. So it doesn't matter what the context was. The fact that now everybody knows about it, as I was saying to a couple of my, my co-workers at HuffPost today, it's not just a UFO story. It's a news story. And that's the, that's the difference. Hmm. I totally disagree with you on whether that the context is not important. To me, that's that's everything. And to me, uh, just like we don't know necessarily about Obama's thoughts, we don't know her thoughts. I don't think. And that's the difference between what she said, at which we should get into more detail, and what uh, Clinton versus Obama said. Clinton. Uh, actually got into some context. He talked about how he did have an interest in UFOs and how he did try to look into it and that uh, he couldn't find anything. Um, whereas Obama completely made fun of it with some real over-the-top uh, comments that were funny. And yeah. I think that with Hillary, she tried to do what Obama did, but she's just not cool and, and funny, she just doesn't have that, you know, social prowess that Clinton has. So when she tries to do it, it just comes off as awkward because she made a couple other very strange comments, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that that she wasn't serious about it. I think that um, be, before she went up to New Hampshire. Um, she probably didn't know that anybody was going to ask her about UFOs, but I'm pretty sure that ever since John Podesta came on as her, her campaign manager, you know they've had some conversations about this just because of his background. I mean, any any of us who do research or who've looked into UFOs in general, we all know that there's this amazing connection between both Clintons and John Podesta. There, there's a history there of their of the, of the three of them having an interest uh, in UFOs, and and so you know that Podesta has been talking to Hillary. She even admits that um, to the reporter from New Hampshire. She said, "Well, and that's what I mean. Get into her other comments." Yeah. Regardless of that, they know. But I mean, this what I'm saying is that we still don't know her thoughts, and that's what would be great about the comments. We know she knew the question would come. Eventually, yeah, yeah. But her statements are that 
aliens are probably here. She said something like that. She said that um, maybe we'll put a task for us uh, to go check out Area 51. Right. Uh, was another one of her comments and that, yeah, John Podesta um, is really into this UFOs and he made me promise that we'll look for the answers. Right. So uh, especially the aliens are here, the Area 51 task force. I mean, those, I think she was trying to be funny, but they came off of weird. Uh, but she wasn't trying to give us any insider information or any insight into her thoughts on the topic. You know, I, I, I think what, what will probably happen, and I could be totally wrong because I don't really know uh, 100% if I'm correct. If Hillary is actually elected as president... I believe, as with all presidents, they get debriefed. Who debriefs them? I don't know. But I believe that, that she would be debriefed on the really important things that are going on in this country uh, that, that, that any president should possibly or potentially could talk about or bring to the public's attention. I, I just personally feel that someone would basically suggest to her strongly suggest to her that she doesn't pursue this that's just my gut feeling i that's a good that's a good point and it's, it's something interesting to bring up and i'd love to hear what do you think martin do you think presidents are debriefed on ufos and told not to talk about them um i don't i don't know if they're actually debriefed on ufos i think you know the way the government always seems to work as a need-to-know type of situation. But I, I totally agree with what uh, Lee just said. Um, I think that if she touched on the topic, that um, she would probably be told to steer away from it um, because she doesn't need to know type of thing. That's interesting because I, I disagree with that. Um, I'm skeptical of that. I don't think that uh, that they would share with her that they're – I don't think they would – talk to her about what to say about it at all um i don't think they talk to obama or clinton about what to say about this topic at all i don't think they allude to knowing anything about the topic there's there's absolutely no indication nor any case that really grabs the, the public or the military's attention that we've seen where it would be like they they would um have to talk to a president about it i just get the feeling that they that even if there is something out there, that they're left in the dark. I love the quote that you know Clinton talked about, where I wouldn't be the first career bureaucrat, uh, or I wouldn't right. be the first president career bureaucrats have not just lied to, but possibly outweighed. He even said that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't get the feeling at all. Like I think this is all her and her campaign, uh, just like with Kucinich or anybody else who stumbled around this topic, uh, who have tried to. Everybody's really stumbled around this topic. In fact, I think it could be argued that uh, Obama's been the best at dealing with this, and he's just gone the straight make fun of the whole thing and not take it seriously at all route, uh, whereas everybody else kind of stumbles. Clinton always stumbles and is kind of awkward around it. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, the I, I other mean, thing – uh-huh. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, none, what, what we're doing here on this show is – which is all that we can do, we're speculating because we really don't know what's going on behind the scenes um, in politics. We can only guess. Well, that's and, my whole point is that yeah. we don't know. And, and 
I guess this is well crafted in the way that we still don't know. Even though she's made comments, we still don't know. And I don't know if you guys agree. For instance, uh, Steve Bassett put out an email with this kind of story about how Podesta's like the inside guy when it comes to UFO disclosure and he's working through Hillary Clinton and then somehow how he pulls out and says that Obama's going to be the disclosure president. Um, I just don't see any of that in what she said here uh, and, and I don't understand that logic personally. Well, I think basically what she's done here, regardless of her intention uh, and her attitude about it, is she's opened the box. She's opened the Pandora's box because now, at the very least, the UFO community is not going to let go of this. Well, they never would have anyway. They never let go of anything. (laughs) So, I mean, we'll see. I I would really love to, to see... Any kind of a confrontation between uh, Hillary and Donald Trump, because I think that would be priceless. (laughs) Well, and that's a great point you make, too. Is Donald Trump going to jump on this? Because he would. Yeah, I think so. It's right down his alley. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why? why? Is it because everyone wonders what that UFO is on top of his head? (laughs) (laughs) Or wasn't his helicopter was chased by a UFO? Yeah, at the the Iowa State Fair last year. Yeah, right. But it's a big kind of wild story it's it's kind of that's why it's right down his alley it's it's something wild it's populist um that's why he may pursue it and you know to give bassett credit stephen bassett credit he uh he runs the paradigm research he's a ufo lobbyist for anybody who doesn't know uh and and he's always saying that ufo disclosure is happening this year Uh, he's been saying that for uh For every years and years and years and years, every president, the sitting president, is always going to be the UFO disclosure president. It never is. I don't think this president's going to be the disclosure president. But to his credit, the media really hasn't picked up on the Rockefeller Initiative, which isn't as big as I think he makes it out to be. It's just that, you know, David or, um, Lawrence. Lawrence Rockefeller was into UFOs and he funded some UFO research that my colleague uh, Antonio Hunez was involved with. In fact, he wrote this, you know, uh, he was the the writer. He he physically did the writing, but he did some of the research. A lot of researchers did the research on this book of best cases, which is really cool. You can download it at our website for free. But... Um, you know, that's about as far as that went. There's really no skeletons in that closet. But it's an interesting story that the media hasn't picked on, up on. And, of course, Podesta's interest in all of his comments on UFOs, I think, is one of the big stories for this year. And it's also a big story that the media actually kind of picks up on. Um, well, yeah, it was in the Washington Post and, mm-hmm. and the Huffington Post, I might yeah. say. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you're, and you're right. And, and yet, interestingly, I've noticed just in the last few days, the Huffington Post, and not just because that's where I'm writing, the, outside of the Huffington Post, there haven't been a lot of um, major mainstream media outlets that have even touched this Hillary Clinton story. And I find that very interesting. Well, that's not true anymore. Which is funny, and I don't know if that's due to your story or not, 
But Washington Post wrote a story on it today. Oh, see, I, have, I didn't see that. I didn't see that one. Okay. Yeah, there's been a bunch. Daily Beast wrote about it. They're all of a sudden popping up, probably due to your story, but possibly like me, they just didn't get to it because they were off on their holiday vacations. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, now, that Lee, be. can I ask you this? When sure. the reporter spoke with Hillary, was it a one-on-one or was it in a... A, a group in group setting and did he was he able to like give the exact quotes of her yeah my impression was even looking at the picture from the uh from the newspaper it looked like he was kind of following her <laughs> you know mm. and, and you could see like a little tape recorder in, in one of his hands um I, I think he was just choosing that opportunity to remind her that they had once talked about UFOs and he, he probably knew he was going to have maybe just a minute or two to, to try and get a couple of quotes out of her while the moment was there. And I think that that's how that just unfolded. Um, I, I, I haven't seen any other interaction that Hillary had with any other reporter there. It seemed to only be this guy, Damon, who mm. was, was able to get her and then she probably split. Because I think if anyone else had asked her any other related questions, we would have seen it in print by now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, the, before we leave this story, I think one of the other big stories for this year, like I mentioned, was John Podesta. And I think we should go mm-hmm. over that because really this is the first time and we've been waiting for this. Jimmy Kimmel asked Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton about UFOs. He asked Obama about UFOs. Hillary went on Kimmel. He didn't ask her about UFOs, and we were expecting it and waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, we were waiting for him, uh, Hillary, to answer the question at some point, and so she does today. Her campaign, so it's the first time she has answered the question about UFOs. Her campaign uh, referred to UFOs once before, uh, one other time, and that was in response to a twit by John Tweet. <laughs> <laughs> but some people would call Podesta a twit. Not me. I'm actually a fan. But that was in response uh, to a tweet by John Podesta, and that was at the very beginning of the year in February. February 13th. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, February 13th. He said, finally, my biggest failure of 2014, once again, not securing the disclosure of the UFO files. Uh, this, of course, in the UFO arena. Uh, spawned debates as to whether he was kidding or not. Leslie Kane, who's actually worked with him, said he was joking. But Mother Jones did an article about Hillary and UFOs. And Hillary's office uh, responded to a request for them to to make a comment. Uh, And they responded, our non-campaign, because of course she was uh, unofficially running at that time. She hadn't officially put in her bid for uh, running for presidency. But they said, our non-campaign has a strict policy of not commenting on extraterrestrial activity, but the truth is out there. Uh, Then Podesta, later on in September, uh, in response to uh, an interview that Hillary did with Lena Dunham, who's a writer and an actress. Uh, She does what HBO's Girls, that TV show. He, He tweeted to her, great interview, Lena Dunham, but Lena asked, ask her about aliens next time and uh then finally i don't know if you saw this yet today lee but uh jennifer epstein from bloomberg politics she tweeted a quote 
And I'm I'm assuming she either she might have got this from the uh, Wall Street Journal or from the other Daily Beast or something like that, uh, or straight from the article. She might have got it from your article though, Lee. But she tweeted one of Hillary's quotes about aliens in Area 51, and John Podesta replied to it, and he said, "Just in time for the X Files revival." And like he did in the other tweets, he hashtagged the truth is out there. Yeah. And, you know, when you just mentioned a minute ago how he had tweeted earlier um, that Lena Dunham um, interview where he said, you know, next time ask Hillary about aliens. And I, I remember you and I had actually talked about this after he had tweeted that. And my my opinion was he wasn't just suggesting to Lena that, you know, the next the next time you happen to interview Hillary Clinton, ask about aliens. I think this was his kind of kind of cool way of basically saying to all of us in media, anytime any of you get the chance to interview her, just start asking her about UFOs. And that's exactly what this guy Damon did in New Hampshire. He took the opportunity and just mm-hmm. went with it. And, and I, I think that that's a response from John Podesta basically saying, hey, everybody, all of you media people, do your job. Ask some questions. If she's there and she's in a good mood, she's going to have to respond somehow. I think that's what that was about. That is a great observation. I think you're probably 100% right. And it seems like, yeah, it's the challenge. He's throwing down the gauntlet for any of you media yeah. people who have the cojones uh, ask her the question, and finally, sure. that was in September. A few months later, finally, this uh, this guy did did take the initiative, and and I'll bet you it's going to be one of their biggest stories. It it may. Hey, one thing I do want to point out that you mentioned Alejandro is uh, Leslie Kane. Mm-hmm. You know that um, I spoke with her a couple of days after um, Stephen Bassett started writing about that um, tweet and all that, and she said, you know, it's basically her opinion. I asked her if she spoke to John because she is in contact with him, and she said no, she never spoke to him about, you know, whether he was serious or not. That is a great point. That doesn't mean that he definitely was kidding just because Leslie Kane said he was. That was her opinion. But she knows his character. She said he has a dry sense of humor. Uh, That doesn't mean necessarily for sure he was kidding, though, because we don't know for sure until someone can interview John, uh, and I I guess you're, you're... vigorously pursuing that correctly i am in fact i i sent him two tweets today <laughs> wow just, just he's, he's coming up on my show this wednesday oh, yeah, right. just, oh yeah. you dog you got him before me <laughs> in his dreams that's what he asked santa claus yeah, really, right. basically i i sent him a note and and basically said, look, I've been writing little stories over the last couple of years in which I've quoted you. I would really like to d- get some more quotes from you, but I want to do it as part of an interview. Um, perhaps you, you know of some of the things I've written. Are you game? And in order to keep this private, don't answer me here uh, on your Twitter page. Get me at, and I and I said, Lee.Spiegel at HuffingtonPost.com because I don't care who has that address. That's mm-hmm. my – and I said, so if you're interested – just contact me there and let's let's talk about this. So now I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. I hope he does it. He's a Twitter guy. He's always on there. So maybe you should next time hashtag the truth is out there. He loves that. Uh, mm. <laughs> okay. You have the space for it. Yeah. 
So I guess there's that story. I mean, there's Podesta, who I guess is our first um, story of the year story that we talked about. I think that was one of the biggest stories this year. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, but for me, interestingly, when you look at all the stories uh, of the year, for me, as, as don't tell us your top yet. Oh no, I won't. But but I, but I will say that my top was also one of my first for the year, and I'll just leave it at that for the moment. Ooh, enticing. So I wanted to just share. Okay, like the game. How this goes, we'll just go around, kind of round robin. We'll go, you know, okay, you go, what's one of your top stories? Uh, that person can introduce the story, and we'll talk about it. And certainly, I mean, we're all friends, so we can share our opinions. Don't hold back and, and feel like there'll be any repercussions. Lee has never um, uh, got upset during this whole process. <laughs> No, but when the show is over, I usually talk uh, uh, behind your back to all my friends and tell them yeah. what, what And what I a, saw the voodoo doll when I was down in New York, oh, Alondra. Yeah, it looks just like you. Yeah, yeah with, with pins sticking out of every possible po po portion of the voodoo doll. <laughs> so that's right. That's a big story this year. Martin, you got to go visit Lee? I'm just kidding. No, we're, yeah. we're, we're both just kidding. We're, but, we're no, but, there, but, but there is a voodoo doll, I will tell you. That. Oh, I thought maybe Martin got to, to Manhattan <laughs> to visit you because you get a lot of visitors. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So the Which is fun. So And they can see that on your Facebook. So let's go ahead and go around. And uh, let's start with you, Martin, um, even though I cheated. Did you see how yeah, I did yeah, that? No problem. She didn't slid that in, but <laughs> that was that was uh, Podesta was my number four on the back burner story. Anyway. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I would like to talk about, and I, I hope I'm not stealing anyone else's thunder. Hey, if biggest, you do, you do. The biggest story, non-story of the year, I consider it, is the Roswell alien slides. Ooh. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, I didn't even, for me. It didn't make my list. Huh? Uh, on, on, on your 150? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you because yeah, I, not even on the big list. Well, as as Alejandro knows, I I was so basically pissed about this story from the moment it first raised its head. Well, let's let Martin summarize it. I'm sure our listeners yeah, know please, we talked yeah, about okay. it so much. First of all, um, most of the people that are listening to the show know the final outcome, but I'd like to say that I, f I first heard about it back in uh, uh, October on 2013, and I contacted Don Schmidt, and I, I said, hey, Don, can you be on my show for a few minutes? And he said, sure, and I says, I want to talk to you about, um, there's rumors going around about these Roswell alien slides, and I want your opinion. And uh, so I asked him, I have this clip I would like to play from, back Ooh, on October okay. 4th, 2013. It plays right now. If such slides do in fact exist, and they do potentially provide genuine proof, you know, once and for all, first of all, no such photographs ever prove anything. By today's standards, anything can be doctored, anything can be faked. So all the more reason, one has to be all the more cautious. Sure. But say it truly depicts something of this extraordinary nature. There's a lot to lose, but there's so much more to gain in 
dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, and just making sure that we don't have a repeat of what happened with the MJ-12 documents or all the other photographs that have circulated through the years and have turned out to be bogus. Why would I, why would my, my, any, uh, the, the members of my, t my team want to be party to an, another such uh, fiasco? And I, I can assure you, Martin, the people that are, again, creating the fiasco and spreading the rumors are not part of the team, are not the ones who are spending the money, making all the trips as far as conducting all the research. They're just those that are just waiting to play gotcha. That we once again, you know, we rushed the gun. We didn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt we were dealing with something authentic. And as a result... You know, we're a bunch of bumbling idiots once again, stumbling around in the dark. And uh, I'm not going to have any part of that again. So that, to that me, I think so sad. I have a lot of background to all share, um, especially regarding what he had said. But, Martin, yeah, go ahead and summarize. That, that's well, a great clip, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, a, a listener to my show said, hey, go listen to that episode. This was after May this year. So, okay, um, there was Anthony Bralgalia was involved, um, uh, Jaime Mosain from uh, Mexico, of course, um, and uh, other people got involved, like I think Dr. Edgar Mitchell, I believe, did. I know Tom Carey, of course, and Don Schmidt. Um, they all had this 10,000-seat arena set up at the National Auditorium in Mexico City and, um, you know, put on this whole event. And, you know, basically, I'm just going to put this in a real quick nutshell. Um, the image was revealed on May 5th. I saw it um, the next day on May 6th and instantly just from my background working in museums a lot. And instantly I said, my God, that's a mummy, you know, without even that was my first instinct but it doesn't i'm not trying to brag in any type of ways just mm -hmm. it just hit me so strongly like that has to be a mummy i just don't understand how they could have gone this far with it and then of course the placard uh was blurred and um the first image that um got loose out there um you know you couldn't read anything on it but the second better image that was actually released I, I think it was by Bragdale. It might have been uh, uh, due. I'm not really sure. But anyway, um, there was an investigative team that uh, set up a, a, t a team member of, uh, I think there were 20 people in all, um, that they de-blurred this thing within a few hours. And, you know, it basically just says that, you know, it was a mummy found, a two-year-old uh, body. And um, the I guess... Um, you know, so mystery solved, basically. The placard mm -hmm. was completely revealed to what it was. Now, there's still still some people out there that are that are holding strong that um, it is, you know, it is an alien still. And uh, I mean, it's really there's a lot of money involved in this situation where it has to do with the documentary and all that. So, yeah. Um, so go ahead. Uh, let's hear some of your. Yeah, let me give a little background, and Lee, we'll let you tell us why you're so pissed off about it. Oh, obviously, okay. though, that, but I think you will represent the majority of the listeners who are also upset about the whole thing. Okay. When Don was talking about doing, because he told me something similar, I caught wind of of this picture photo early on too. I think it was from the Bergoglia stuff or or some early 
um, stuff that had gone out there. And I asked Don about it, and he got a little upset, and he said, why are you listening to the rumors, those guys? Similar to what he told you. But then later to find out that that's not necessarily true, that he said, those people are just trying to get the scoop on this, and they have nothing to do with the research. You know what? A lot of this uh, unfortunate um, stuff happened because of his partner, Tom, who was talking to Bregalia, and he was giving Bregalia this information. And unfortunately, instead of Bregalia doing what he probably should have done and checked with everybody before he released information, he jumped the gun. And he was trying to be the first guy to get the information out there. But it wasn't he wasn't getting it from people that were not involved with the case. He was getting it with from people who were involved with the case. So they had a whole problem with the information not being contained. As far as the rest, my interpretation is that I think that Don was serious. I think he really wanted the research to go properly, but he was just one voice in a group of people who got swept away by the excitement. Um, I think I was one of the few, if not the only guys that got to interview Tom Dew, who was the owner of the of the photographs. He really believed they were something mysterious. He admitted to me he wanted to make money off of it, but it was because he said, I spent a lot of money. I didn't want to go to my wife and say, hey, I got this story out there, but I, I lost a lot of our money. He wanted to at least break even, and I could see that, but I think the real unfortunate, the real bad guy in all of this is, you know, uh, someone who we know is kind of a sensationalist, which is... Um, Jaime Musan. He, you know, he's done this before. He wanted to make a big spectacle, which is by far his priority above researching and betting, like um, Don was talking about. And I think Don didn't want to disassociate. Didn't want to just dump the whole thing. He wanted to try to influence from inside, and he lost. He was the the minority in the group that got swept up with this sensationalism, and then they ended up being exactly what he said he didn't want to happen. They ended up looking like a bunch of bumbling fools because, like you said, within a day of them releasing the slide, better researchers, um, because their experts were not experts if you look at their backgrounds, were able to very quickly decipher the placard and determine that it was what everybody thought. I was like you, Martin. When I saw it, I thought this looks like a, a – because I've seen these things before. Of course, Lee, you wrote about Attaboy, and we had the whole Greer um, yeah, carcass yeah. thing going on. So we had seen that happen before. So, yeah, it was a sad debacle. It was a total debacle. And from the very beginning, when there was even the slightest hint that there were two slides and and the, they were going to be putting this out into a, uh, to the public in a big event in May, and it was going to be in Mexico City. That was one of my first questions. Why Mexico City? If you've got something, show us now. Don't tease and do a bait-and-switch tactic that all snake oil salesmen do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And 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 then what happened was they they had promised that all of the, the, the ten thousand people who could have shown up in Mexico City and they were going to do a live streaming of this internationally for a small amount of money that they were going to release the two slides in high definition. Hello, did that happen? No, it never happened. And they had months to prepare 
to do this, to create and to really right. make sure that these images were the best, highest quality possible. Uh, to my recollection, when the big event happened in Mexico City, only one image was released and it was blurry. It mm -hmm. wasn't high definition. Mm -hmm. I was so pissed. Uh, and this is why throughout the whole thing, I refused to write even one story about it. I didn't want to give any any room uh, or, or any kind of support to this. And Alejandro, as, as you may recall, just a few months ago, when we were at the MUFON Symposium, on the final day of the symposium in Southern California, I was on a panel, and that panel included Jaime Musan. And and he was kind of hemming and hawing because John Greenwald, who was the master of ceremonies and uh, and presented us on the panel, he, he let Jaime uh, do the first talking about this whole Mexico City thing. And Jaime was all over, well, you know, we, we had the evidence and it was the best evidence. And, and you know, we had, we had a few problems. And then finally, when John took the microphone from him and gave me the microphone because uh, he knew I was chomping at the bit, finally. <laughs> And I basically said in front of the audience and in front of Jaime, nobody has the right to make promises that they cannot keep in this field. I, I was likening Jaime Musan to Rick Dyer, who did the <laughs> exact same thing with, with Bigfoot. That mm -hmm. he was that mm. Rick Dyer had his 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 um, his Winnebago that he was driving around the southern part of the United right. States and he was putting Hank the Bigfoot carcass on display and and taking money from people and and basically he was he was asking people for more money uh, when when he uh, promised uh, that people could see an actual documentary on Bigfoot. And that documentary turned out to be Harry and the Hendersons. So th th this is what I'm talking about. And this exact kind of thing happened with, with Jaime and, and these, as my father used to say, these fakakta slides. Uh, <laughs> because there was nothing credible to it from the very beginning that the first announcement was even made that someone had found these slides in, in a box in someone's house. It was like, you know what? Uh, if you got the slides, show them now. Yeah. What, mm -hmm. why, why are you waiting to, to try and get people to come to Mexico City mm -hmm. uh, and pay for their own trips? And nobody paid for their trips. People went there on their own expecting to see something big. Well, I, I knew, and, and Alejandro and I had talked about this, Martin, that all along leading up to that big Mexico City thing, I knew that this was this was going to be a bad deal, and it was a bad deal. And and finally, at the MUFON Symposium, when I when I got this off my chest and, and John Greenwald gave the microphone back to Jaime, I couldn't believe it when Jaime actually said, well, Lee could be right. Hmm. Really? You know, and I, I've been waiting for them to offer that DVD because I want I want to look at that. <laughs> I want to look at it over and over and over again. <laughs> All right. Because he, he actually did admit on stage, not just to me, but to everyone there, that that maybe things didn't go the way they should have, and that maybe I was right. That it 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 was totally mishandled yeah. from the very beginning, and it was. And you we'll cannot... need to make a gif out of that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Put that yeah, on social media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just hate when this kind of stuff happens. It doesn't happen a lot, but but th this is also one of the problems of 
of how on the internet, on YouTube, the, because of the, the ease and the technology, you can get 10-year-olds to sit down with a minimal kind of Photoshop software, and they can create amazing-looking videos and get it out there and get their 15 seconds of fame. Right, and you know what? Uh, I just do not – the numbers don't fit. Jaime says he didn't make any money. He lost money on the whole thing. Yeah. But the numbers don't work. That's not what he said to begin with. He said he made a ton of money, and I think he did. You know, I think that unfortunately Tom Carey and, and Don Schmidt, the, the main researchers, are the ones who took up most the brunt of, of the bad. Uh, and Jaime made money. Um, I think at least Adam Dew made his money back. And he said he could have gone with a scientific journal or magazine that was going to do a thorough investigation, but they weren't going to be able to pay him enough money. And instead he went with Jaime, who could make him some money. And, you know, that at least he was honest about why he did what he did. But you said it good, Martin, when you said it's kind of a non-story. Because luckily, Lee, you weren't the only one who didn't write about it, which is great. Mainstream media ignored it. I think right. Pope made the point that mainstream media didn't even care. So the only one who cared were ufologists. But I agree. It and, we're, and we're totally lucky about that. Yeah. And, and one other thing, what you're hitting on just now, Alejandro, I do want to say... You know, there is a, a second part of the clip, but it, it's I didn't want to add it's too long. But basically that he says the thing you don't want to do ever is to put this out in the UFO community. You want to put it out in just the public. Wow. Well, so, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and what, what we didn't even mention here is lately when I say lately, really literally only in maybe in the last year. There have been these email threads that have been going around and getting bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger, bigger. And when you look at the names of the people who are on this thread, it's basically every everyone, the top names in ufology, and they're all out there bickering with these these emails at each other and 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 criticizing and accusing and oh my god. Are, are these people nuts? Is is that what UFOs have come to? <clears throat> I, I mean, I first started getting interested in UFOs back in the in the early 70s, and back then there were many more organizations. We had APRO, we had NICAP, Early MUFON. This was before the Center for UFO Studies. There, there were a lot of little UFO. Um, organizations. And even back then, the attitude was, well, no, you can't look at the pictures we have. No, you can't look at any yeah. of the images we have. No, no, this is this is ours. It's ours. Are they kidding? This is not ours. It belongs to everybody. That's yeah. what's fun about like the Open Mind GFO group or those online groups, because I think it's cool to put those out to the to everybody. And like when the slides went out, Actually, that was great because then you had kind of citizen science going on. Everybody was was looking at them, and then you had a group of people who figured it all out. And that's really cool when that happens. Yeah, I think that was the – if there was any light at all to this whole story, it's that. The fact that you know the UFO uh, community basically stepped up and, and you know called this thing out. Mm -hmm. Well, we should move on. Um, Lee. Yes. What's your big story? My big one. Oh, well, th this this for me is is a total no-brainer. And I, and I can't I can't give enough praise, enough praise on the planet to John Greenwald for what he did in January that got everybody <laughs> so excited for about a week. 
<laughs> you, you, you know, when when he made the Project Blue Book files available to everybody, and then it got taken down, and it's still down. This, this originally was every ufologist's dream. I mean, I mean, I remember in the 1970s, I went, I made several trips to Washington to go to the National Archives because I was looking up information for some stories that I wanted to write about things that were in the Project Blue Book archives. And in order to do that, back then, you actually had to go to Washington. You had to uh, get the microfilm canisters. You had to sit in front of one of these big old microfilm projectors and try mm -hmm. and find the thing. I mean, total hassle, but that was the only way to do the research. And John Greenwald worked it out. So he took JPEG images of the 130,000 pages from the 22-year Air Force study of Project Blue Book, and he, he used his skills. He turned it all into searchable PDF files. And he right. put it. He put it on the Black Vault, his his amazing um, website, and and instantly. I mean, I remember Alejandro and I, you know, we went crazy about this um, because you really could easily in in the comfort of your own home in your computer you could do the kinds of search online that I used to have to go to the National Archives to do. It was amazing. What a gift! And then it was gone. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that was like that was such a letdown for for all of us. It was a copyright issue or something, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a company called Fold Three, and they right. post military files, and I think they're involved with Ancestry.com, dot com, mm -hmm. and they claimed to have some kind of a copyright on the old Air Force files. But but is that really true? Because Project Blue Book, ever since 1969, has been in the public domain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a technology site that did a story on it and the legality, um, which was really cool. And they called it into question saying that it's probably not legal, that it would probably have to go to court. And that's unfortunately what John couldn't afford, right. but he would right. probably win. And even if he didn't win... It's wrong that they can have those files, which are public domain, and charge people to go through them. And and it's not as easy as what Greenwald provided. Greenwald provided yes. something much better than they have to make those even more readily accessible and easily searchable. And these guys – and what's even worse is I suspect that the National Archives provided Fold 3 of those files. If that's true, then they have no claim over them because that's taxpayer dollars that's right. that, that's right. that uh, provided those files. And then it's completely wrong. So hopefully someone goes to trial on this and takes this on because, yeah, it's, it's I think, bad. And I so agree with you. And – um. Martin, I mean, what's your take? There are some John Greenwald detractors out there, as you know, who um, felt that they should be taken down. No, I, I, you know, what I was hearing when for the short time those were up, people that are really involved in doing a lot of research uh, wrote me and was they were saying, my God, it's so easy to search these files now. They were everyone was excited about it. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I, I totally think that he would win. Um, if it did go to court, unfortunately, he doesn't have the backing for that, um, and it would probably cost a lot, you know, in legal mm -hmm. fees to go forward with something like that. 
But um, like you said, I, I'm pretty sure that he probably would win because um, if that's where they came from, they belong to everybody, really. I mean, mm-hmm. no, I don't think anybody could t- even make money. These uh, Fold 3 shouldn't be able to make money if, if, it's, mm-hmm. uh, if it was taken out of a public domain. That's my own. I'll put this thought. out there because I know someone who's willing to take this on. But we don't have the expertise John Greenwald had. I have the JPEGs, but I can't turn them into searchable JPEGs or PFD, PDFs like John Greenwald did. Mm-hmm. If I had that expertise, I could do that, and I have someone who's willing to take this on. But John cannot get involved. Since he was already involved with this, he can't get involved at all, or else you know, he could. there could be some liability there. They could claim he provided the files, and then you know he's got legal issues. So I'll put that out there. If someone's willing to help, if they know how to do that, you know, I know someone who can take that on because uh, it's worth doing. I think that you know there were even some non-UFO people that felt this was a uh, freedom of information issue um, that needs to be taken on. And that, and that's why this was my number one story, only because of the historic value of all of this, mm-hmm. and 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 on all the work that John put into making this available to everybody for the short time that those files were available, I was I was spending days, you know, I mean every day I'd, I'd spend a little time looking through them and it was amazingly easy to go through the project blue book stuff certainly a lot of the stuff was redacted and you you couldn't you couldn't really see a lot of the really juicy stuff but it was all there mm-hmm. you, you could just turn your computer on sit down and just go and look at the stuff and that was amazing to be able mm-hmm. to do that yeah the blue book files are incredible so um this is kind of funny, which doesn't surprise me. I was thinking of this early on when I was putting together my files because I totally agree with you, Leah. I was glad you brought that up because I had that you know, out there, and I was hoping that story would come up. Yeah. But um, I knew you and I especially would choose more media and social kind of, uh, even though Martin did as well, uh, stories as opposed to sightings because uh, I don't know, like you mentioned earlier, and I think you mentioned uh, we're talking about Martin, you know, uh, or no, Don mentioned, you know, he doesn't like to focus on the UFO community, uh, which we don't either. We look more towards what is impactful in this phenomena to the mainstream. Um, that's why I think these por- stories are important. And that's why my number one, which is also the number one for our readers of our website, our most read story essentially uh, this year, it's tragic that it hasn't gotten to the mainstream really, not even on the Huffington Post, unfortunately. <laughs> and that's the Puerto Rico UFO video. I yeah. I can't say enough for... Um, the group that put this together, um, you know, the, the researchers that, that worked on this because they're a great bunch of guys with some um, really good backgrounds. Um, they call themselves now the Coalition for um, Scientific UFO Research, uh, SCU. Uh, but anyways, this is a Homeland Security video. So essentially, uh, someone who worked with... Uh, well, the, you know, they're really elusive as to the careers of all the people involved, and that's what's difficult about this case um, is that everybody wanted to remain anonymous essentially and not share who they work for or when, but uh, somehow this Homeland Security 
through people who worked with Homeland Security. They had to have right to get the video, even though can't say where they worked. Um, these guys essentially, uh, there's this video of this object uh, that goes, flies from the ocean over an airport and then back over the ocean again. Um, it was being filmed by a infrared uh, system that was on board an aircraft that uh, essentially is out looking for drug runners. Uh, the people on board the craft thought this object was strange, uh, anomalous, something they hadn't seen before. They submitted it to their superiors. Their superiors sent it up the chi chain of command. It came back. Uh, apparently, the Air Force looked at it. The Air Force said, we don't know what this is. Maybe you should go uh, have some civilian UFO researchers look at it. Um, so that's exactly what they did. Uh, however, they still were in fear of, you know, repercussions. Uh, it got then to a lady with Florida MUFON, a, actually a lady who is a writer, and she's pretty famous. She's a famous fiction writer. But uh, once it got to her, she took it to Morgan Bial, who is the head of Florida MUFON, uh, these people did not want it to be a MUFON case because with MUFON, you have to at least give your information um, of who you are and everything. And the reason for that, which makes sense, because MUFON can't really investigate it if they don't know everyone involved. Um, so I think it's a good policy that MUFON has. So they kind of had to research this on their own. He got together a few other people, including MUFON's director of research, uh, MUFON's star team manager, uh, and they all had to do this like separately. So they researched it and they couldn't figure out what it was. They got other experts involved. And so far, experts who have looked at this cannot definitively decide what this is. Um, Mark D'Antonio, who of course we all talk with often and uh, is kind of one of the experts we refer to, he suspects that the object could be something like a balloon. Um, however, he hasn't finished his analysis to demonstrate that completely, so he hasn't completely finished his analysis. And where I took, I took his thoughts to an expert on FLIR who has been working with this group and he was at least able to discount uh, some of those ideas. For instance, a balloon is one of the ideas. Uh, his analysis is that uh, it can't be a balloon because it's too hot. If you sh the, the dark objects are really hot and uh, when you look at the other objects in there, only some real hot objects such as exhaust from planes and things like that are really dark. And this object was really dark. So it's too hot to be a balloon. Um, and then birds, it doesn't fly like a bird. So and those were the two big theories out there. And it also doesn't have a similar thermo thermal signature uh, of a bird. And then the group also feels they were able to uh, estimate speeds that were very fast. And they think it went into the water and then broke into two pieces and was still kept flying around. So I think this is a great case. I, I think it's that um, it got some tabloid UK coverage, but it's tragic that it ha didn't get um, more mainstream coverage because it's one of the best investigated case I've seen cases I've seen in a long time. And I would like to add to that, and, and Alejandro, I I told you this several times during the year, um, the, the story that you wrote about this was so good, 
It was so detailed. It was so perfectly researched. I could not have done any better a job than you did. And that was probably my primary reason for not even tackling it. You did an amazing job getting which the is, story together. Which is great, but I'm not mainstream media. And Huffington Post is an aggregate. So, I mean, you guys cover other people's stories often. Um, so that would have been a great outlet to break through to the media. I mean, it seems that your story broke this Hillary story out, this Hillary thing out. I, you weren't the first one to write about the Hillary thing. You know, it was that other um, person yeah. from the Conway Daily Sun who really uh, got – but you're a bigger outlet. Well, and well, the, the and the thing I I know that I must have mentioned this to you at least once when you and I had been talking about this during the era. I'm sure because I've I've suggested this to you before. Yes, HuffPost is is a more mainstream, and you are one of HuffPost's best bloggers. But and, blogs don't. I don't get. I I've wrote a blog just last week. I've written yeah. many blogs. They don't get a fraction. Of the view is the staff stories. They don't get the placement. They don't get the the promotion. Um, so that's just not an option. That's not getting it into the mainstream. Well, I mean, if so. if I if I missed the boat on this one, then I apologize. At the same time that I'm praising you up and down for what you did. <laughs> well, and it's not about me though. It's about the the stories that you know. This is one of the best. Uh, examples of how to do ufology right, and it's an example how uh, it got, but it got the same treatment as as uh, the Roswell slides uh, when it came comes to mainstream media. And what's great about this is that NARCAP, which is a very conservative mm -hmm. uh, organization, the Naval Na National Aviation Reporting Center on Anomalous Phenomena, even they were bold enough to come out, which is rare for them, because they, Dr. Richard Haynes, who runs it, uh, an incredible background, um, he, they were bold enough to come out in support of this case. Um, but uh, so it just which speaks to the um, credibility of the case. But uh, yeah, for me, this is number one. And which mm. it was really cool to see when I did when I looked at it today. It also got the most hits this year. Yeah. Oh, oh it did. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That um, I was looking at that today because I know that that was going to be one of the stories coming up on this show. And when I had looked at it initially, I thought I saw it going through the water and now it's probably just the angle it's probably over the water instead and it does it's it's so hard to tell but it does appear like it is moving very, very fast but also and this could be a trick of the eye i'm not sure it almost looks like it's tumbling and mm. and and in that case i was thinking well maybe it is a balloon and maybe the heat signature is because it's a dark color and, you know, is getting some sun saturation or something. Well, here's the know. hard part with speculating, and I understand how uh, we want to do that, and even I felt that way. But um, what's really important is you always have to rely on expert opinion. And uh, whenever you talk to experts, they're able to explain all of those things. And, for instance, this expert had talked about with the tumbling is that you can't really tell necessarily because you're seeing a heat signature. You're not oh. necessarily seeing the object or the object's uh, uh, shape. You're just seeing the heat, the hot part of it. So that can be difficult to um, determine. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, it's hard to say on that end. So, and, you know, because there are experts involved, it's kind of like flying with your instruments with just with your instruments. You know, mm-hmm. can't rely on your own um, senses. Got to rely on those of expert opinion. And, and that's what's fascinating about this is uh, the experts um, thus far have been, you know, so baffled by what they see. Yeah, it's a great case. It really is. Uh, do you know if, there, if there's – you said that Mark is still – has not finished his analysis of it. Uh-huh. Do you know if anyone else – is still involved in in researching this? No, uh, I know there were other skeptics that wanted to try to tackle it and uh, see if they could figure it out. But from what I understand, they've all kind of uh, given up. Hmm. So they've all uh, just decided to move on. Um, And since, you know, like a lot of the good stories, it's come and gone uh, that uh, I I guess they don't feel the need to uh, tackle this anymore so unfortunately it may just be lost to obscurity but uh, I'll do my best to keep bringing it up because I think it's a, a really important case I agree yeah. yeah I do and we will have Robert Powell who's the director of research for MUFON uh, and part of the SAU, SCU and he'll be reviewing this case and giving us updates at the UFO Congress this year oh great Good. nice nice okay now just one before we move on Alejandro uh-huh. uh, you're saying that all the parties involved with this wanted to remain anonymous the uh yeah they were able their their um credentials essentially were checked by the investigators um and one individual uh, well and i got to see some of that um but otherwise it's not released to the public and what about radar? Was there any radar on this? There was some radar, and that's a really interesting story. Robert tells his story better. He was the one who received the radar. FAA, this is really interesting. The FAA does not release radar data. But he got it from the Air Force because the Air Force shares our FAA shares the radar data with the Air Force. So if the Air Force has data on record, then they have to share it with the public. Um that policy changed literally days after Robert uh, was able to take advantage of that. Now, the Air Force will not forward FAA radar data. But the radar data did um, correspond with what the witness testimony was. Hmm. So, yeah, so really in- another really interesting aspect. Um, and that's interesting that the Air Force in this case was more forthcoming than the FAA. Right, that is, that's highly unusual. Yeah, so <laughs> it's your turn. Oh, it is, okay. Well, um, all right, so I thought a couple of things were, I, I wanted to look at a couple of different things that were reported on um, over last year, and besides sightings. And um, so I bounced back and forth between the two. One of them was um, that basically NASA was saying that proof of aliens should be here uh, within 20 years. I think, um, I think that's a story when NASA actually can come out and say that publicly, that they think that there'll be uh, proof of aliens within 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it and, was an indiv- individual in particular, correct? Uh, 
I did not get a chance to listen to the whole interview, and it's a whole hour long. So I don't know if it's um, if they were all agreeing on it, but um, if you read into the story, um, it says that um, it was the NASA's astrophysics uh, physics, uh, director Paul Hertz, yeah, who, who kind of explained um, you know, most most of this about. Which you know, is the, really cool because you know Lee, you could probably he's a he's a Huffington Post blogger. Uh, Seth Shostak, I think, has said something similar, uh, and I think right. there are several NASA administrators that have felt uh, the same way. Um, although Lee, you interviewed after our UFO Congress last year one of our speakers who was a NASA scientist who says they've already discovered life. Yeah, and I, I, I think well, we need to be really careful. We need to, we need to clarify exactly what was said, because it's my understanding, and I, I think the first person I heard even say this was, in fact, Seth Shostak. Um, for those people who don't know, he's he's a senior astronomer at the SETI Institute in California, and what Seth said, and what many other uh, astronomers have said is that within 20 years they believe there will be proof of life elsewhere but no one has actually said to my knowledge alien in other words we, we need to be careful about giving the impression that somebody that an alien is going to show up in a ship you know because that that's the impression that it's too easy to give out. What the scientists are saying, and they're being they're being cautious, is that within 20 years, with all the information that's coming through from uh, the Kepler spacecraft and and new new uh, telescopes that are being built, we will probably have proof that there is other life out there, and it's probably most of these guys will say it's probably microbial life, and that's the difference. So we, we, we don't wanna we don't wanna get ahead of ourselves here with what we think they're talking about. Well the her quote, yeah, at this story I was able to bring it up with my incredible MacBook Air mm -hmm. big Apple fan because my PC's <laughs> been giving me heck today. But uh yeah, one of the NASA administrators, um she's a scientist, uh she's NASA's chief scientist actually. Oh Ellen? Yeah, Ellen Stofan. So her quote was um, that I think we're going to have a strong indications of life beyond Earth within a decade, and I think we're going to have definitive evidence within 20 to 30 years. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. However, yeah. um, another NASA administrator uh, was talking to British school children. Uh, this was Charles Bolden. He is the NASA administrator. Right, right. And uh, he was asked if aliens exist and um, and if Area 51 was real sort of thing. And, and he said he does. Uh, he said Area 51 was real, which was kind of interesting. He didn't really say much beyond that. He said it's not what people think. It's for research. Uh, and he never saw any aliens or alien spacecraft when he right. was there. right. But uh, he said, I do believe that we will someday find other forms of life or a form of life, if not in our solar system, then in some of the other solar systems, the billions of other solar systems in the universe. Although, I think you've got a good point, but um, I guess the term aliens, though, um, it comes down to a semantical kind of thing, huh? 
Well, yeah, yeah I was because, because reading none, the headline. None... Yeah, I was go basically ahead. reading the headline of of that story when I first started. But Ali, can you go back to what uh, Alejandro said earlier? You spoke to a NASA scientist that he claimed that they already found something. Did well, I hear you say that? Did I hear what, that right? Mm-hmm. What, what he was basically saying was that he he had found from looking at pictures um, that had been taken on Mars that that in some in some close-ups of rock formations he felt that um, there were uh, indications of some kind of fossilization. Uh, again, not alien, alien to us. But but again, fossil formations. And when he started talking about it to his colleagues at NASA, um, somewhere along the line, the uh, new pictures had been brought out showing that apparently the, the, the Martian rover that had taken the picture was perhaps instructed by someone to go back to this rock and scrape away the rock so that the fossilization could not be seen anymore. And, you know, and for whatever the reasons are that 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 they don't want us to know about this yet. But but again, we're we're not talking about aliens like who run spaceships and who have intelligence and they walk and they talk. That's not the kind of alien that any of these scientists are talking about. And that's why I like to as much as I believe. I mean, hell, I, I, I don't mind going on record and saying I think earth is being visited by someone i don't have a problem giving that out as my personal opinion okay i can't personally prove it but i'm okay speculating on that based on what people have told me and my own research but all of these uh, pronouncements that have been coming out through seti and nasa when they say life is going to be discovered within the next 10 or 20 years they're not talking about aliens they're talking about very simplistic forms of life. And well, so, that depends on what the definition of alien is. It's just like UFOs. UFOs does not mean extraterrestrial. Yeah, spacecraft. yeah exactly. Aliens doesn't mean a uh, being, you know, like um, like on the movie Aliens. Technically, at the dictionary defines it as a creature that comes from somewhere other than the planet Earth. I guess it could be even a, a very small creature sure is it plankton a creature like they say they found the russians that they found but yeah you're right they mean microbes yeah and and to them this is exciting but that's not what the that's not what we we in the public want to hear we want to hear you know let's sit down with some aliens at a table and get it on (laughs) you know i I still think captain kirk i still think personally that once it really comes out that hey there is alien microbes you know uh, uh no, extraterrestrial microbes out there we have proof of it i think that is one of the even though it's not intelligent life i still think that it, it's going to be one of the biggest announcements i uh, I, com- uh, I yeah i completely agree and and we have so many places in our solar system where that kind of life is probably hanging out right now mm-hmm. you know i, 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 I yeah I, yeah, I get excited about you know sending a an unmanned spacecraft to to Titan, the, right. the moon of Saturn, or it's to Europa, nice. you know, or Europa. I mean, come on, there are these there are these small planetoid moons out there that we already know are gigantic frozen 
uh, ices that are on top of, of oceans. Let's but that's get out what's there. exciting, and I think that's what Martin's getting at here, yeah. which yeah. I totally agree, is that this year, uh, and it happens more and more every year, NASA is more forthcoming about places where not only there might be, but they're likely the likeliness of the discovery. Oh, so I agree. To I hear agree. them openly saying that within the next 20 years, that is exciting. And I agree too. And that once we find life elsewhere, I think it'll really open my, people's minds up and it's going to be a bigger deal than people think that, you know, now if there are microbes, uh, so close, what else is out there? Of course. And here's the frustrating thing about all of this. Like it's like damn it bones <laughs> you know, <laughs> as Kirk would say to McCoy. Damn it bones, we don't have hyperdrive or warp speed so that we could just send the spacecraft there so it'll be there in a week and we'll know in a week. This is gonna take decades before yeah. we even know that. And so many of us that are in that are involved in this research we're not going to be around to see that. And that's what frustrates me yeah. more than anything else. There are so many researchers who were mentors of mine that, uh, you know, um, when I started doing all of this and now they've passed away without knowing. In fact, yeah. this year I can think of like Julie Schuster uh, who ran the uh, Roswell Museum for quite some time and uh, was also daughter to uh, the PR guy who wrote the Roswell press release that got everything all excited. Uh, what is his name? Hot? Yeah, um, Walter. Walter Hot. And uh, yeah. she passed away this year, unfortunately, from cancer, and I knew her for quite some time. Um, so, yeah. yeah. It's like I, I firmly believe, many people do, that on, on one of these ocean... Uh, moons of either Jupiter or Saturn that that yes there, there could be very likely <clears throat> life there but in order for us to determine that just the journey to get there is yeah. going to take so long that that's so frustrating to me like the Plus movie the Europa which was great and I think you like that movie too, I right? loved that movie Did yeah that Martin no, I said plus to drill through all the ice to get down to see. Sure, just sure. like the movie Europa. Did you see that movie, Martin? Um, I don't think You've so. You gotta see it. It's really good. You'd love it because uh, it's along these lines. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, I wrote a great story <laughs> about the drilling devices that yeah. we're gonna use. But uh, Lee, let, what's your next story? Uh, well, you know, w one of the stories that I really like that just happened in in December. On the International Space Station, astronaut Scott Kelly, who is in the middle of, you know, being like the longest human to, to spend time in space, he, he's been snapping all kinds of amazing pictures of the Earth from the space station. And he took a picture of South India. Uh, lit up at night. Beautiful picture. And, you know, all those Internet UFO hunters were looking at the picture and and they started speculating about this bright tube like object at the upper right corner of the image. It's like it looked like a long tube with a couple of white lights on either end of it, you know, it, with the darkness of space behind it. And and it was it was just the latest in a, this whole long series of objects that have been photographed by space station astronauts and it fuels all the internet chatter about UFOs. And this went on for like a couple of weeks 
people were saying, how could Scott Kelly not notice in the upper right-hand corner this UFO? Well, it was easy because all you had to do, and several people, including myself, did this from, from the story I wrote. I took a, I took the original picture that Kelly had snapped. And yeah, you can see this thing. It looks kind of weird. And all I did was adjust the brightness and the contrast. And when I did that, you could easily see this was part of a UHF antenna attached to the space station. You know, nothing more to see here, folks. Move along. Case mm-hmm. closed. But, but you know, the people are out there that make these things go viral. They don't want to hear those kind of explanations. Mm-hmm, it's like right. if, if, if it's weird and if it doesn't look right, it must be a UFO. They're watching us. Like, come on, folks. You know, get a grip. This is these NASA photos are my ongoing Roswell slides. <laughs> I hate writing stories about them. I try yeah. not to. The only reason I wrote about that story is because when I got to go to Johnson Space Center recently, I asked an astronaut and a PR lady about it. So I wrote a short story about it, uh, which unfortunately the UK tabloids picked up and blew out of proportion like they have with all of these photos yeah. and uh, what's funny about this is I was criticizing in that story the very writer who took my quote and used it in his UK tabloid story uh, which is so <laughs> ironic but um, yeah these stories are so frustrating because it just demonstrates really poor research and it brings up a really good point especially now that we're this year is ending that really right now in ufology we are i think we are in the era of the ufo especially uk tabloid this is the uk tabloid era of ufology they are taking these stories doing a Jaime Musan on them and over-sensationalizing. They're probably getting tons of hit. They're completely inaccurate. They're poorly researched. They try to play both ends where they're making fun of it, but also trying to capitalize on it. And uh, it's really wreaking havoc. And it's a, I always try to look at these in a sociological kind of sense, um, but it is unfortunate when it comes to credible research. I mean, there there are people, literally people who spend hours and hours at their computer um, and anybody can do this uh, you turn on the computer you go to a specific NASA website where there's like a, a, a constant live camera that's attached to the space station looking out into space and you can just sit there and if there's any kind of bright object that seems to be moving or off in the distance, suddenly they're writing stories about it and it's going viral Mm -hmm. and they, and they do this almost daily. Um, Yeah. And I, I say it's like, like William Shatner once said on a Saturday night live skit about Star Trek. He basically said to people, get a life. (laughs) You mean like UFO sightings daily? Uh, well, no, I didn't. I didn't mention Scott wearing. Oh my gosh! Did I just... <laughs> what do you think, Martin? What are your thoughts? Are you as frustrated? You're not as much of a crotchety old guy as Lee is, and I'm. I, mean... <laughs> I just haven't been around as long as you two. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And worn worn down. Um, you know, I I think that um, you know we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, what you know was pissing Lee off to begin with, <laughs> with the Roswell thing, and and what it is is some people are are you just said it. People are more interested in the bang for the buck 
the phrase uh, UFO or the the spectacular uh, sightings or whatever than they are to do the research. And um, you know, I, I think UFO is one of the top top uh, words searched on the internet. Uh, it's in it's in the top something. I don't know exactly, but um, there it's a buzzword and it's a buzzword that um, is 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 terribly abused. And when it comes to something like this. Um, you know, you mentioned the the British tabloids, Alejandro. Um, you you must get alerts like I do, Google alerts or whatever. Um, so every day you see British tabloids, mm-hmm. and they have a sensational s- story, and most of them again are non-stories. So um, you know, I, I think it's all about capitalizing on the traffic. Yeah, it's it really is, unfortunate. It is a shame. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and people people often complain to me. I'll get comments at the bottom of my stories or I'll get just individual emails and people will, con- will will complain to me why don't you give us really good UFO stories why are you handing <laughs> us this this crap every day that that we know are are not real UFOs will you please give us something we can you know sink our teeth into and my response to them is I'm trying to and if it turns out, everybody, that 99% of the stories I'm going to write about can have an easy explanation, well, I'm not just going to not write about it because I'm still looking for that 1%. Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if I'm only going to spend time hoping to find the 1%, you're not going to get more than like a story for me every six months, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, so the point is, this is my job. My job is just to pre- pre- present information and i'll call upon people like mark d'antonio ben hansen um james oberg the the former rocket scientist i need these people to explain these stories so we can push these stories to the side and make way for the new ones if we don't do this what what are we going to write about Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean the sensationalizing uh, I don't know people. Some people just like that, you know, when it comes to worldview and and uh, and you know, propping up what they want to believe. Yeah. I want to believe like X Files yeah. instead of uh, you know searching for the truth. But um, and with Martin talks about you know UFOs being such a big buzzword on the internet. That's what just still makes me laugh about you know the Conway Daily. Uh, son, and I think that's what happens with the UK papers. They write a UFO story, they find out they get tons of hits, so they just start following them up and and keep doing UFO stories because they get tons of hits. I I did for my pre-Christmas story, and this didn't even make my my top stories of the year, but I did a, a nice piece on all of the Renaissance art. Mm-hmm. in the 13th, right. 14th, mm-hmm. and 15th century that appear to have interesting objects in the paintings that look very similar to what people are reporting in the skies today. And the headline, the, the original headline that I put in the story was something like, um, Renaissance arts show very strange objects that shouldn't be there. Well, my editor <laughs> ch- changed that headline to, look, is that a UFO over Jesus' head? <laughs> I saw that. Now, yeah. <laughs> you, you did not get, you, you don't have any control over that? They can just plain change the title on you? Well, well, I mean, I, I put a story together. I, I give a, a suggested headline and a subheadline. 
give it to my editor and and he'll go over it and he generally doesn't think that I come up with good enough headlines and I, <laughs> I, I think he's right you, you know because the, the purpose of a headline is to entice the reader to want to click on the story and get into the story fine so when he changed the headline to look is that a UFO over Jesus head you know what I didn't have a problem with that because basically what that headline did is to ask an honest question, mm -hmm. the same the same kind of question that I have asked when I've seen pictures like that, mm -hmm. the same the same question that many people ask, is that a UFO? And and I'm not saying and nowhere in my story did I use the word alien or extraterrestrial. All that I like to do is to stay anchored and say is it a UFO? Which means, is it an unidentified object? That's all I want to ask. And so I, 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 I turned to an art historian from New York University, and he didn't like what we did with the story. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he did not like it. And we went back and forth with emails, and he wanted us to change the headline. He wanted to add more information that would give... Uh, more explanation about these things in the paintings, and 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 I mean there were just other things that he didn't like about it. He felt that that I was mis kind of misleading the readers with the use of the word UFO, and I I kept explaining to him UFO does not mean alien, mm -hmm. and that that's always been my stance. Mm -hmm. Um, but the world doesn't see it that way. Everybody, when you, when everybody sees the word UFO, it's oh, extraterrestrial. It must be. It's a UFO. Well, and when they see those images, lots of people, when they see those images, even though you know the, I read the story, uh, the art historian was able to explain what's yeah. actually in those images. Yeah. Mark D'Antonio has done that before. He's done a talk like that. But when you look at him. You think UFO because it's yes. like what we think of as UFOs. So, I mean, I agree it's a fair term to use. Wasn't yeah, it something I, like um, they used from old pagan art uh, symbolism for the sun and the moon or something like that? Is yeah, the sun and the moon. Uh, that, that was that was in the, one of the paintings called the Crucifixion, where you see you see Jesus on on the cross. Um, he's surrounded by people on the ground, and in the sky above him, there's there's something that looks. There are two little objects that each each one has a person inside them, and it looks like they're piloting these separate right. objects. Yeah. Well, well, okay. The art historian explained that one is the sun and one is the moon, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I loved his explanations because yeah. because there is there is room for symbolic um, interpretations of these things, mm -hmm. um, but but you can't please everybody and and I, I don't know if the book is still closed on that i used quotes from jacques valet in this story because jacques reference his focus of, of research now is looking at ufo reports beginning from 1879 and moving backward mm. in time and and he says that there there are a lot of reports from the time of the renaissance reports made by scientists at the time, uh, scholars, noblemen, and these are people who were the scientists of these times who were looking at things in the sky and who couldn't identify things. So they weren't even involved with paintings, and they were seeing things 
in the skies through their early instruments and telescopes, which would be classified as unidentified. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with using that term. Right. Right. All right. We'll move to the next story. Because this is a story I wrote a Huffington Post blog about because I thought it was so cool. It's another story that I think is so incredibly credible. <laughs> um, I wrote this in, in late January, and this was before the era of the UK tabloid, or else they would have taken this story and ran with it, and who knows what they would have done with it. But it's a great story, I think, and it still has not been solved. And this is um, UFOs that have flown over nuclear power plants in France. Uh, they've also flown over them in Belgium. And at least in one case, the person in charge of the base has said that these were not drones that were flying over. They were UFOs. So uh, part of the story, the reason why it got so big is that there are anti-nuke protesters who have been protesting and saying, hey, these nuclear facilities are not safe. Uh, look, you have drones flying over them. Uh, some of these UFO sightings were blamed on these anti-nuke organizations. But uh, that, you know, the people in charge of these power plants, they know they're not drones, at least in one instance. There were some kids that were decided, once they saw the story, decided to try to fly a drone over the nuclear power plant, but they were not able to do it, and uh, they got uh, their drone was taken, and they got in trouble for it, uh, arrested. I'm not sure what happened to them, but this was a I had forgotten about this story until I was looking into the stories for the year. But this was a really cool story. One of the guys who was looking into it is a German news blogger named Andreas Mueller and uh, he writes about he calls it frontier science which includes lots of paranormal and UFOs he's a great guy who uh, has a neat uh, uh, website over there who uh, forwards me stories sometimes but uh, this is a great story and as far as I know uh, it has not been solved and luckily at least for us it's been one of our uh, top stories for the year Wow. Well, I, I agree. And, you know, it's 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 kind of like uh, it's very closely related to the stories that Robert Salas, former military uh, officer, had had, had talked about, um, about so many UFOs that have been seen over our, uh, our, our nuclear missile uh, installations. And, uh, you know, in addition to um, nuclear power plants, it's, it's like basically, as as we all know, we're dealing with something that I think most people agree who have done the research on this. We're dealing with something that basically can show up anywhere it wants to in the skies around our planet and they can't be caught. They can't be stopped. Mm -hmm. And that's why um, people get nervous when they when they think that there are UFOs above a nuclear power plant, it's like, well, why? What are they? Why are they there? What are they going to do? Are they going to? Are they going to force uh, an eruption or a meltdown at the plant? But that kind of thing doesn't seem to be happening, and so I guess I take a little comfort in that. Maybe they're just curious or or what, but I don't think that it's it's um it's. N I don't think it's unfair to have people say, well, no, it must be just drones. I mean, it could be something that is unidentified and we don't know what, what their agenda is, 
why are they targeting nuclear installations or nuclear power plants? So yeah, I agree with you. It, it's a really good story. And I'm not sure that people should get nervous about it, uh, but it's still a really good story. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was, uh, I, I had an insur- insurance agent oh, 25 years or so ago, and um, he said that he belonged to a special <clears throat> task force in the Air Force during the Vietnam War that was investigating UFOs. And and I'm like, you know, this guy was very, he was a very serious guy, and I, I just had no BS meter come up. And um, But anyway, one of the things he said, yes, and he says, and they're also around nuclear power plants. They're around uh, nuclear missiles and all that. And it was like, wow. wow, you know, I mean, I was really interested in what he had to say. And unfortunately, I have never been able to remember his name and get a hold of him again. Um, wow. I myself, you know, probably your listeners or some of them are not going to like this, but I'm hmm. totally against nuclear power for only the reason of one thing, and that's it's we're we're putting the burden of nine thousand generations to watch over the waste, which is deadly, going to be deadly for that long, and um, two hundred fifty thousand years. And you know, one of the the I've talked to to Robert Hastings about this, and one of the possible you know, ideas is that we are, you know, we're playing with fire here and, um, you know, uh, notice, notice us or see what we can do because, you know, the nukes have gone down unexplainably in different times. Uh, They, in Russia, they were activated at one time. Um, so there is some type of connection and we are, you know, truly, uh, playing with fire when it comes to nuclear power or anything nuclear, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, Lee should be especially worried because he's not too far from a power plant, and it's one of them that Michio Kaku is always warning is just completely unsafe and near one of the most pop, the most populated area in the United States. Yeah, it's up, it's up, it's up on the on the Hudson River, you know, for, further north of the city, and and yeah, there's there's always talk about it and possible leaks or leakages and. Um, you know, all, all that we can do is, is hope that the powers that be know what they're doing. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about uh, that movie, the, the China Syndrome, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that showed how you, you could have a meltdown if, if you're not controlling it. And and people do seem to think the nuclear power is, is where it's at. Um, I'm not sure that I, I agree with that, like Martin. Uh, there have to be other ways, but we don't. We haven't come up with a with a new alternative or a better alternative for it yet. Yeah, it, I agree with you, Martin. It's like we're playing with fire, and uh, you know we need uh, energy that is that's you know not pollutant, but uh, it's hard. It, it's uh, it's. Uh, and I think I personally think that you know maybe this is uh, a little over the top, but I think in thirty years we're going to have that solution if some type of uh, fusion or or hydrogen uh, use of energy, or that would be awesome because yeah. hydrogen is the most plentiful, you but know, you element know, in the universe. Uh, supposedly, I guess the Germans activated a, a fission generator. I don't even know what that means. That's right. Yeah. But fusion for an hour or something, right? Yeah. You know, I go by the Tonopah. We have a, a nuclear power plant out here, and it just boggles my mind the technology and the power. And I think Robert Hastings' work is some of the most credible out there. He has just numerous 
um, military witnesses, an incredible amount of them who have worked around uh, nuclear um, facilities, who have seen UFOs, and uh, and it, it it makes a lot of sense that this technology that is by far the most destructive that we are capable of producing would be observed by uh, higher intelligences if they're out there. Right. Yeah, I agree. So finally, to wrap up, because we're about we're pretty much out of time. Uh, I'll let you guys, if you want to do it, do a quick hit. I'm going to do two story quick hits. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one of the other stories I wanted to talk about was this Kepler mystery where, uh, you know, these scientists saw the dimming in that sun or they right. still see that dimming. I think that's a fascinating and great story just because it really caught the uh, public's attention. And these scientists were really taking uh, the possibility of an extraterrestrial civilization seriously. And then also, uh, I'm always fascinated by uh, foreign uh, other official UFO investigation organizations. So I think it's great to see that the Argentine Air Force uh, is active in investigating UFOs and they uh, have a department that does this and they released a report recently and they did a great job. I mean, they did the job. They went and figured out what these cases were and you can tell they put a lot of hard work, work into them um, and that just came out just like within the month. Right. You guys got a couple you want to shout out? Well, Go sure. I'm <laughs> Well, uh yeah, I guess I guess I could I could shout out one. You're talking about um, in, international things. I mean, certainly one, one of my favorites. See, and I'm already laughing. But you, how can you not laugh and, and wonder about this? The man who's the president of the World Chess organization yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in Russia, you know, I can never pronounce his last name, but his first name is Ilyamzalov. Kirsan Ilyamzalov, who is the president of Kalmykia. Oh, listen to you. We've done well, so many stories that I finally, after after a year of doing them, remembered his name. And I'm going to talk about him at the um, UFO Congress this year. Oh, well, that's great. I, I, I think that the, the thing that um, stood out in my story is that after after his very serious story trying to get people to believe that he was taken aboard a spaceship and he was taken for a ride and then they brought him back but his his thing is that he believes that aliens invented the game of chess right, right. <laughs> of course they did <laughs> so that, that this guy's friends with putin i know i know and 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 then the, the, i'll give you one other quick hit um because alejandro um, you did a great job uh, in helping to uncover this. It's what I call the Christmas tree lights over Tucson. Mm. Um, you know, this is back on, on July 4th, where this the, Tom Sanger uh, videotaped a very colorful display of changing lights over a canyon northeast of Tucson, and um, beautiful lights and and maintained that that there's there's no way that there could be any humans involved with this out there because it was such a remote area and you you did some digging and digging and and the story that you eventually wrote about it actually proved after some investigation that these lights were caused by human activity uh like the headlights of oncoming vehicles mm -hmm. and the guy who cracked that case is actually the uh, chief investigator for arizona mufon in my opinion one of the best chief investigators for mufon out there and his name is dennis fryermouth he's uh, awesome 
good. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was such a it was a good case because it, yeah, he it, did it a kind good of, job. Yeah, it stretched out over a period of time, and he went out there and he did a lot of um, investigating. He talked to to like the forest rangers out there, mm-hmm. and uh, you you know, and and so they turned out they weren't UFOs. But until until you know what they are, you've got to do the legwork. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Martin got a quick yeah, hit well, or two. Yeah, just uh, real quick. Um, you know, I, we already touched on it, but I thought the um, I thought Obama, the interview with Jimmy Kimmel uh, mm-hmm. was really great. What I thought was really interesting about that is what Ben Hansen did with mm-hmm. the video afterwards. Right, right. That's and, a good uh, point. I wanted to mention Ben Hansen because he did the Clinton Kimmel and the Obama Kimmel, and it really makes you think. I think he did a great job with those. I think he said he had about ninety hours into doing that. Wow, yeah. and it was cool that Kimmel referred to it. Yes, in an interview. Yes, yes, he did, and and um, I mean, it was it was basically he took he took like a three minute interview and turned it into a thirty minute um, analysis of of body movement, <laughs> yeah. body, body language. Oh yeah, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was great. That was good stuff. And the last one is um, is just an interesting story. I thought it was that a metallic orb could have been sent um, to us. Uh, this was just a speculation of a scientist. It's a little metal orb they found um, that they believe is extraterrestrial. Um, the person investigating this, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, is Chandra Wikanashki or something like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah, works yeah. with Dr. Hoover uh, out of the, I think it's the University of Birmingham, uh, yeah, we're, uh, they're the guys who think that they found extraterrestrial microbes and yeah, right. In this case, this small little orb. So like, uh, it could be the idea of, uh, panspermia, which, um, right. I think is totally, uh, logical that it could happen. I think it's great you mentioned that because those are still outstanding questions that Dr. Hoover, who Lee, uh, interviewed and this right. Chandra, uh, I can't say his last name, uh, but yeah, the work that they've done, I think, really should be looked at close, more closely, because they may have discovered alien life there. And they were using electron microscopes too, because these are these are very small objects that we're yeah. talking about. Okay, this is how you pronounce his last name. Chandra Vikram Singh. <laughs> Chandra Vikram Singh. We can, uh, huh. Well, we're go. out of time, guys. All right. So. It's so awesome to have you both on the show. You guys are great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But we've got to wrap things up. Of course, Martin does podcast UFO. He's on the show every week doing the news with us. Lee Spiegel uh, writing for the Huffington Post. Uh, we refer to his stories practically every week. So uh, one of the, you know, Huffington Post people might not know. It's like, what is it, like the number three or number two most uh, viewed news site on the Internet? Uh, we're right up there uh, in, mm-hmm. in terms of both American and international because we have so many offices now um, around the world that, that we're, we're doing really well with with uh, reader hits. And it, it's just it's great that it's happening. And, yeah. you know, I knock on wood that, that they're letting me put these stories out there. Up there with <laughs> CNN and MSNBC and all yeah. of that good stuff. So um, so check them out and we'll have links. And, of course, you can find all of these stories, really every single one of the stories we talked about, also at openminds.tv. I want to also thank, uh, as I do every week, Caleb Hanks. Uh, have you guys met him? You guys, hopefully he comes to the Congress. He's a funny guy. He's Micah Hanks' brother. 
Mm. Huh. So talk nope. about a power siblings there uh micah and caleb they're awesome but caleb hanks does the open and close music uh he posts this music for free on the Clerk uh, chronicles and you can find a link to that on our radio page on openminds.tv and i also want to thank you all go check out the ufo congress by the way lee and martin will be there martin i'm sure will be doing lots of interviews and lee will be speaking he will be on a panel and he will be interviewing uh, really one of the the most important ufologists ever, uh, Jacques Vallée. I can't wait for and, that. And, yeah, I can't wait for that either. It's coming up soon. So that's going to be good stuff. Yeah. Until next week, adios muchachos.